and um, my assignment is simple to invite a speaker who I'm inviting is a continental leader of the intercessors of Africa prayer movement that coordinates in East Africa. He's involved in widespread teaching and evangelistic ministry in Eastern, Central, and Southern Africa. He's also a member of the Apostolic Leadership Team of the Family of Deliverance Church, Uganda, uh, Rwanda, Burundi, and Eastern DRC. He serves as a senior pastor of Deliverance Church, Kansanga, in Kampala. He, was, he, has an, he's an, he has got an engineering background, and he's been in Christian ministry since the early 1970s. And together with his prayer group, they founded the Intercessors for Uganda. He has carried out evangelistic and teaching ministry in schools, churches, open-air rallies, conferences, and seminars. He has ministered in all the continents of the world during the past 40 years. He has authored several books and has published numerous articles in magazines and other publications. He's married to Margaret, and they are blessed with five children and grandchildren. But something personal between our relationship is our speaker tonight, Pastor Leban Jumba, is not only my muko, because his wife is my eldest sister, but he's also the person that led me to Christ. On 25th November 1985, at Nakasero Deliverance Church, after a sermon that he preached, he made an altar call and I walked forward and gave my life to Christ. So tonight it's a pleasure and an honor for me to invite the person that showed me the way that I have no regrets having found. Let's stand up and put our hands together to welcome Pastor Leban Jumba. Thank you very much. Well, thank you very much. Welcome you with very beautiful words. Uh, let's sit down. Our time has been running faster than I had expected, so I don't want to go into uh, introductions, uh, but I feel uh, in my heart that we're seated here at a very important time in our nation's history. God works in seasons. God works in seasons in nature. For example, when it is season for rain, you're wasting time to pray for dry weather because God may not answer your prayer unless you need a miraculous intervention of God because of some issue. Otherwise, normally, Rain will come in the rain season and sunshine will be there in the dry season. God works in seasons in nature. But God also works in seasons in nations. We have lots of examples in the Bible. The way God worked, for example, in the nation of Israel. There are certain things we, saw, we see him doing and uh, there are other times when it looks as if there is nothing going on and God is just waiting 
for the right season to come. And when the right season comes, he moves at full speed. So God works uh, in seasons in nations. And I want to say that God doesn't only work in seasons in nations with Bible nations, biblical nations. He also works in seasons in our own nations today. And it was a powerful discovery I made when we were preparing for the celebration of our jubilee. As I began to study the scriptures and realized that we, we are not just celebrating a jubilee as a birthday for the nation, 50th, you know, anniversary of 50th birthday, but that it is fulfilling God's season in our nation's history. And when we fail to discover that season, we shall be like the five foolish virgins who are being talked about here. And I'll dwell on that a little bit as we move on. But thirdly, God also moves in seasons in our own lives. Praise the name of the Lord. When you fail to discover the season where God is taking you as an individual, then you'll be in serious trouble. We need to discover God's seasons in our individual lives. Now, if I was to spend the evening talking about seasons, I would pick up those three areas and try to expand them a little bit. But I'm not going to do that for today. I wanted this to be a kind of introduction to what I'm going to share with you. That God works in seasons. He works in seasons in nature. He works in seasons in nations. And he works in seasons in our individual lives. You can expand the individual lives and you place their families and so on. He works in seasons. Let's turn to one scripture. In the New Testament, in the book of Luke, chapter 19, and I'll read four verses. Luke chapter 19, and we'll read from verse 41. This is an example of a nation which God visited at a very special time, but they failed to catch the season. They failed to recognize the time of God's visitation in their nation. Verse 41. Now as he drew near, this is the Lord Jesus Christ, he saw the city and wept over it. Now I've been to Jerusalem many times and I generally know the general layout of the city of Jerusalem. At this time, the Lord Jesus was approaching the city of Jerusalem. And when we talk about biblical Jerusalem, it is today's old Jerusalem. He was moving in from the east, from the area of the Mount of Olives. You come down from the mountain, actually, according to our standards in Uganda, it's a very tall hill, but they call it Mount of Olives. And you come down into the valley, you pass through the areas of Gethsemane, you come to the, what is called the Kidron Valley. And then you begin climbing again, entering into Old Jerusalem. It is something similar for you who are uh, Kampala residents 
to the way you enter the city from Nsambia. You come from the American Embassy and you climb a little bit and then begin going down. And as you go down, you get a panoramic view of the city. So that is the kind of spot where Jesus was when he looked at Jerusalem. If you can imagine standing at Nsambia uh, around about the place where there is th those petrol stations, seeing the whole panorama of the city. That's where Jesus is standing as it were. And the Bible says, verse 41, as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known even you, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, for days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you and surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave any one stone upon another because you didn't know the time of your visitation. You didn't know your season. You didn't know the season when God visited you to deliver you. Now what was the Lord Jesus talking about? When you read in the scriptures, for many centuries, God was preparing the nation of Israel for the visitation of the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. You read in prophetic writings in the book of Psalms, in the book of the, you know, in the, uh, in the prophets, Isaiah and all the others, all talking about the coming of the Messiah. And they gave some details which for anybody who cared to do research, you'd realize this Messiah was coming at a particular time and looking at some of the things that the Lord Jesus did, it would be clear that the Messiah has come. Now, when God is dealing with us, sometimes he doesn't put everything in the open. You need to do a little bit of research. For example, the Lord Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, but he grew up in Nazareth, which means you needed to do some research to find out. This guy everybody calls a Nazarene because he grew up in Nazareth. Was he actually born in Nazareth? Are you getting what I'm talking about? You need to do a little research to just uncover so that you get the details. Praise the name of the Lord. Now the Jews never went into that kind of research. They made their own conclusions about Jesus Christ and in spite of the so much evidence that there was something special about this man, they rejected him. They missed their hour of God's visitation. Now, somebody has said that when you miss the day of your visitation, the day, singular, you end up suffering days of God's judgment. And I'm praying this does not come to our generation of Ugandans. Somebody say amen. Now, I will not talk about the seasons for our nation as Uganda. But I want to say this. After celebrating the 50 years of our independence and experiencing jubilee, the Lord gave us a prophetic word that the next seven years 
are going to be years of tremendous fruitfulness. And that the Lord is going to work in cycles of seven, like we discovered that there is a sabbatical of seven years, and you count seven sabbaticals of years to make 49 years, and then you blow the trumpet of Jubilee. So we are talking about cycles of seven years. So when we are praying concerning the next 50 years after Jubilee, the Lord gave us a prophetic word that the first sabbatical of seven years, that is 2013, that was last year, until 2019, the first seven years, they are going to be very fruitful years. I don't want to go into details to explain because it will take me a good bit of time. But this is a season of God's visitation upon our nation. I can show you pointers to the fact that we're already in that season of tremendous fruitfulness. Beginning on the night of celebrating Jubilee, coming into the first year after the Jubilee, that night, our president dedicated our nation to God. And if you do careful study of that prayer, it encompasses a lot of things. Things that many nations have never had a chance of the executives of their nations bringing before God on such an historic evening. I felt so proud to be a Ugandan. There are many Ugandans who go abroad and they wish they were born somewhere else. I have never had that wish. I am proud to be a Ugandan. And that particular night, I was even more proud to be a Ugandan. That our nation, as we transition from the last 50 years into the next 50 years, the executive of our nation leads us into repentance for the sins and the weaknesses of the past 50 years and previous generations and dedicates the nation to God for the next 50 years. Praise the name of the Lord. So we began this next season of 50 years. We began it correctly. Somebody say amen. amen. Now after that we have seen a number of powerful moves of the Holy Spirit in our nation. And I don't want to spend all the time bringing them out. But for example, can you imagine a small nation like Uganda resisting all the pressure from the Western world and saying for us we are standing and we are declaring we are not friends becoming with people saying that we should be homosexuals. That is against our national moral values. And we sign a law and it begins to, everybody is against it, but we say we are going that direction. Praise the name of the Lord. So I am beginning to see that the season of fruitfulness is working out. And what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing from the other nations People are looking at what Uganda has done. And they are saying, yes, we're going to follow in the same direction. So God is already making you leaders. By the way, I have one prophetic word to give to you. Usually sons become bigger than their fathers. We are the uh, political sons of England. And we are about the same size as Great Britain. And if sons are to grow bigger than their fathers, one time Great Britain ruled the whole world. And we're beginning to lead also. One of these days we'll be leading the whole world. I see leadership beginning to come here. 
Listen to me. I am very excited about our nation. Some of you are looking at small non-entities, non-important things, and you're discouraged about our nation. Listen, our nation is moving in the right direction. I can see God at work. We are in the season of God's visitation of our nation. Praise God. If I have time tomorrow, I'll bring out a few things, but I don't want to deviate from what I want to share tonight. I want to talk about guys who had so much opportunity, but they missed the hour of God's visitation. So I want to begin with that warning tonight. I want to talk about the legacy of Joseph's brothers. The legacy of Joseph's brothers. You can write it down as a heading, the legacy of Joseph's brothers. How many of you have heard sermons about Joseph? Let me see your hands. All right. How many of you have read books about Joseph? Very many. Have you ever come across a book on Joseph's brothers? Okay. So let me advertise my next book. I'm in the middle of writing a book on Joseph's brothers. It might be a first in Uganda and possibly in the world. Because people want to write everything about Joseph. But his brothers have not enjoyed so much popularity for summons and for books. I want us to read a particular passage which I'll begin with. Let's turn to Genesis. Chapter 47. And I'll read the first few verses. Then Joseph went and told Pharaoh and said, my father and my brothers and their flocks and their herds and all that they possess have come from the land of Canaan and indeed they are in the land of Goshen. And he took five men from among his brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. Then Pharaoh said to his brothers, what is your occupation? And they said to Pharaoh, Your servants are shepherds, both we and our fathers. And they said to Pharaoh, We have come to dwell in the land because your servants have no pasture for their flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Now therefore, please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. I'll stop there. Now, Joseph's brothers coming into Egypt was a very interesting experience. But I want us to look at it from the point of view of Pharaoh 
king of Egypt. One day Joseph comes over to him. I don't know if he called him your excellency, but we shall use what we're used to here. So he addresses him, your excellency Pharaoh, your excellency sir. My brothers have come from the land of Canaan. Oh, his excellency answers, I am very excited. Joseph, you mean you have brothers? You see, Pharaoh didn't know Joseph had brothers. The first time Pharaoh met Joseph, do you remember that time? Pharaoh had had two interesting dreams. And he had called his wise men to interpret the dreams, and they couldn't. And then one of his servants, the butler, told him, I remember my thoughts today. When I was in prison two years ago, there was a young Hebrew who interpreted our dreams, both myself and the baker. And exactly as he interpreted the dream, things happened. I was restored to my position as chief butler, and the baker was killed. Exactly like this young Hebrew interpreted the dream. He asked me to ask for your favor to get him out of prison, but I forgot, and I remember my thoughts today. So Pharaoh said, please waste no more time. Get this gentleman out of prison. Bring him so that he might interpret my dream. So Joseph is hurriedly picked out of prison. The Bible says he was shaved and his clothes were changed. So he dressed up to come into the presence of Pharaoh. And when Pharaoh looked at him, he wondered, is this the Hebrew you're talking about who can interpret my dream? So he begins to talk with him. And he gives him his dreams. And Joseph immediately begins to tell the king what the meaning of the dream was. And you know, as Pharaoh listens, it rings true. Do you know what I mean by ringing true? When you sound a bell, and this bell has a crack. It sounds there is something wrong. But when there is no crack, there is a pure sound. Do you get what I'm talking about? So as Joseph gives the meaning of the dream, something in Pharaoh tells him, this is the correct interpretation. But you see, Joseph didn't stop at interpreting the dream. He goes on to tell Pharaoh, let Pharaoh do this. Let him appoint an officer over the land. Let them collect a fifth of the produce of the land. Let them put it in storehouses so that when the seven years of scarcity come, there will be something to sustain the population. And all the time Joseph is talking, Pharaoh's mouth, you know in English you talk about the jaw dropping. <laughs> He's wondering. You mean this guy has been in Egypt all this while? And we never knew he existed? The guy is so, he has such 
sharp prophetic insight and he has been in prison in my land of Egypt. He's so clever and he's so wise to give us advice as to what we are to do. And you mean they had imprisoned him? So he looks around at his ministers. There is minister of agriculture there, minister of finance, minister of... Tell me some of the ministers. He, he looks at them. And Pharaoh asks them, you guys, is there anyone among you who is competent enough to carry out this program which this young man is suggesting to us? And they all shake their heads. You see, they were shaking their heads because they knew if any one of them volunteered to be the wise guy to carry out the program, Pharaoh would have asked them, then why were you not able to interpret my dream? So they all shake their heads. And he immediately makes a proclamation. He says, Joseph, I set you over all the land of Egypt. And you'll be next to me. Everything in Egypt is in your hands. The only place where I will be higher than you, I'll be sitting on this throne. Otherwise, everything else is in your hands. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, those first seven years, Pharaoh was so impressed by Joseph. I imagine him coming to Joseph frequently, saying, Joseph, tell me, what is the secret of your wisdom? What is the secret of your abilities, your gifting? What is the secret of all of these things that you're doing in the land of Egypt? And Joseph answers and he says, it is because I worship the God of the Hebrews. All the wisdom I am executing here is because of the God of the Hebrews. And Pharaoh begins to get interested in this God of the Hebrews. Are you getting it? Now, one day he hears Joseph actually has 11 brothers. And all of them have come into the land of Egypt. So Pharaoh asks Joseph, do your brothers worship the same God, the God of the Hebrews? He says, amen. They all worship the God of the Hebrews. Now, he doesn't ask more questions. He's just excited. He tells his chief of protocol, maybe his personal assistant or his private secretary, what appointments do we have tomorrow? And he lists them. He says, please, can you call all of them and cancel those appointments, postpone them? I can't wait to meet the brothers of Joseph. If Joseph has been such a blessing to us these last seven eight, nine years. And he says he has elder brothers. The older ones must be even wiser than him. Amen. And they worship the God of the Hebrews. So Pharaoh is so excited, he tells his secretary, please, when are we to have the appointment? I cannot wait to meet these guys. And the secretary says, normally such appointments begin at 10 o'clock. He says, please, move it forwards. I want to begin meeting them at 9 o'clock. When he shares the news with his wife, is there a particular title for Pharaoh's wife? Okay. Let's call her the first lady. The first lady says, I must attend that meeting. 
So I want you to picture. Pharaoh is seated here on his throne. His first lady is next to him. The ministers of government have all come. They want to hear wisdom flowing out of these guys who have been worshipping the God of the Hebrews. Are you seeing the picture? Nevertheless, there was one problem. The excitement of Pharaoh became Joseph's nightmare because he knew his brothers. Tell somebody, Joseph knew his brothers. They were not quite what Pharaoh expected. It is true they worshipped the God of the Hebrews. It is true they had all the opportunities that Joseph had. In fact, they had better opportunities. A person like Reuben, who was the firstborn. Recently, I was feeling in, I was talking with some people at a checkpoint. And I told them my three names, Laban, Mwesigwa, Jumba. And they asked me, do you have another name? I said, I'm not a firstborn, and they laughed. Because firstborns many times have more than four, five names. <laughs> the grandfather gives them a name, the grandmother and the sisters and so on. Uh, because a firstborn has so many privileges and so many expectations from the parents. So Reuben had greater advantages than Joseph. Are you getting what I'm talking about? Joseph is worried. He says, my master Pharaoh is so excited to meet my brothers, but I know my brothers. They're not quite what Pharaoh is expecting. What do I do? Because the guy is so excited, he has canceled all the other appointments to meet them. I fear it might be a terrible anticlimax. What do I do? Now the Bible says here, he picks five guys among the eleven. Now some of you don't read between the lines. Why do you think he chose only five instead of bringing all the eleven? Was there not enough room in state house? A please were conversing. Can you ask? Was there not enough room? There was. Do you think Pharaoh didn't want to meet a large crowd? Pharaoh is excited about these guys. And Joseph, the Bible says he chose five among them. Let me take you behind the scenery. Joseph wonders. This other one, should I bring him along? Uh-uh. That one, the way he talks, he has Kiyaye language. How many of you know Kiyaye language in Kampala? <laughs> he has Kiyaye language. I don't know, maybe I can instruct him so that he knows how to talk to a king. Then he says, mm -mm, that one, his character is not redeemable. I think let me leave him out of the list. Then he says, what about this other one? Okay, that one, I think I can talk to him a little bit and try to polish him up. What about the other one? Ah, ah, that one gets angry very quickly. He boils at room temperature. He can shame me before Pharaoh. That one, I'm not taking him. So he goes through the list of 11 brothers and ends up with five. 
Some of you are thinking I'm um, exaggerating. You read the Bible. <laughs> he took only five. But not only that, you go back to the Bible. You go back to the previous chapter. Chapter 46. And verse 32. Let's go back to 31 so that you get the full sentence. Then Joseph said to his brothers and to his father's household, I'll go and tell Pharaoh and say to him, my brothers and those of my father's house, when the land of Canaan have come to me. And the men are shepherds, for their occupation has been to feed livestock, and they have brought their flocks and their herds and, and all that they have. Now look at verse 3. And so it shall be. Say with me, and so it shall be. When Pharaoh calls you and says, say it together with me. When Pharaoh calls you and says, what is your occupation? Then you shall answer. Now just stop there. So he picks these five guys and takes them through a session of preparing them to meet Pharaoh. He tells them, before a king stretches out his hand to shake your hand, please don't volunteer your hand first. The way you behave before king, you wait for him to stretch out his hand first. Amen? They say, yes, we have understood. Then he tells them, when you are sitting before the king, I know you are coming from a situation of famine. And you've not had a good meal for some time. And now you are coming into state house. When you are serving yourselves, don't try to fill up the plates with all the delicacies of state house. Just to put there enough, you can always go back and pick some more. You know the Bible says you put a knife to your mouth when you come into the king's presence. So Joseph takes them through a session to prepare them for Pharaoh. The Bible only tells us one of the instructions. When he asks you this question, answer like this. Have you understood me? I believe there were more questions and more instructions from Joseph to his brothers because Tell your neighbor he was worried about their, about their behavior. Amen. So, the appointment comes. And Pharaoh looks at them. You see, kings have special wisdom. They spend every day solving problems. So, talking with you only a few minutes is enough time for a leader to know if he has material he should spend a whole hour with, or if there is emptiness before him. So he comes up with the first question. He says, you guys, what is your occupation? Now, I don't know who was their spokesman. <laughs> Maybe one of them. I don't know if it was Reuben who was spokesman or Judah, but any one of them. He says, your servants are shepherds. Now, that is the answer to the question. 
what is your occupation? But then he went on to give more information. He says, your servants have come from the land of Canaan to this land of Egypt because the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. Severe in the land of Canaan. Now, Pharaoh scratches his head. I know the famine is severe in the land of Canaan because it is also very severe in the land of Egypt. Wasn't the famine severe in the land of Egypt? It was. You mean these guys never knew there would be years of plenty which we experienced nine years ago? Beginning nine years ago. And they had never knew that after seven years of plenty there would come a famine? You mean these guys never knew? I thought they worshipped the same God like their younger brother. And he has been boasting before us that it is the God of the Hebrews. So he listens a bit more. He says, our flocks don't have pasture. And we have come here because everything in the land of Canaan is drying out. Uh oh. I think this is not material for me to spend a whole morning of Pharaoh's time listening to these guys. They are crying the same cry we hear from every nation. Apparently, they never knew there would be famine. And they never prepared. And yet, it is their younger brother who helped us to prepare. And it has saved a whole generation of Egyptians. Now, this one is not in the Bible. But listen carefully. He looks at Reuben. Now, you see, Joseph had got some beautiful clothes to dress up his brothers so that they could come before Pharaoh. So can you see Reuben dressed up nicely? Amen. If it was suits like us here, you know, he would have got a good, nice suit for Reuben and uh, his other brothers so that they come to appear before Pharaoh. Now, in spite of the beautiful dressing up, the effects of the famine of two years are showing through the nice, the nice clothes. Reuben's cheeks are sunken in because he has not had a, beautiful, a, a good meal for two years. And you know, being the firstborn, and at that time he was at the age of about 50, 51, 52, he looks 75 years old. His hands are shaking a bit. Are you seeing him? His hands are shaking a bit. Now, in addition, because I know a little bit more about Reuben, you remember it is Reuben who slept with his father's concubine. Do you remember? And usually sexual sin has effects on people. In our Chiganda culture, when you find somebody trembling like this, we say, Some, you know, he, 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 he didn't follow proper, uh, proper procedure 
relating to the in-laws, especially your mother-in-law and things like that. So you, you develop certain sicknesses. I don't know if the Baganda are correct, but it seems to me many of those sicknesses have some effects on the body. Somebody say amen. So I see Reuben maybe trembling because he has not had a, a, beautiful, a good meal for some time. His body is frail. And he looks 70, not 50. So Pharaoh asks Joseph, this one, is he your dad? And Joseph says, excuse me, your excellency. That's not my dad. He's our elder brother, Reuben. Oh, excuse me, Joseph, I'm very sorry. He looked so old, I thought he was your father. And then Reuben speaks for himself. He says, your excellency, sir, it is the famine of the last two years which is responsible. <laughs> it is the famine of the last two years which is responsible for this haggard look on my face. It is the famine of the last two years which is responsible for my emaciated look. The famine is very severe in the land of Canaan. And I have a family. So whatever little food we've been getting, I've been allowing the children to eat. And I eat the crumbs because I didn't want my family to perish. Your Excellency, sir, that's why we have come to Egypt to look, to sojourn here a little bit. Now, I think the drama which I've painted before you is already showing you what I'm coming to. Joseph had been sensitive to the prophetic word of God. And he had seen the seven years of plenty. And he had also seen the following seven years of scarcity. And he had used God's wisdom to prepare Egypt for 14 years. Joseph became a gift to Egypt. His brothers are the ones who sold him into Egypt. Which means, according to God's economy, according to God's economy, God had left 11 brothers in the land of Canaan to be responsible for the land of Canaan. And Joseph, in the land of Egypt, to be responsible for the land of Egypt. Are you getting it? Had Joseph's brothers done their role? Had they carried out their role in the land of Canaan? No, they hadn't. Now, which means, when the period of scarcity began, and the land began to suffer hunger, those words which we read from the book of Luke chapter 19 began to be fulfilled. You missed God's hour of visitation. Now you're going to suffer days of hunger and scarcity. 
I want to say this, brothers and sisters. God has called us into this nation and into this continent and into this world as his own representative where we are. And like Joseph was a blessing to the land of Egypt, God has called us to be a blessing to our own nations. After studying this, I don't have much grace for people who come to me and they cry the same cry of all the ordinary Ugandans. You see, the cry in the land of Canaan was the famine is severe. That is what Reuben and his colleagues were saying. The famine is severe. I agree the famine was severe in the land of Canaan. But was Joseph talking the same language? No. I want to say, brothers and sisters, if we speak the same language like the ordinary Ugandans and the ordinary Africans, there is something wrong with us. Because we are supposed to have been the answers to those issues in our nations. And it's because of our failure that everybody else in the land of Canaan is suffering hunger. I think you haven't understood. Because Reuben and his friends did not play their role properly in the land of Canaan, the whole population of the land of Canaan were now suffering. What was their daily conversation? Oh, the land, the land is now dry. There is terrible drought. There is no pasture for our cattle. What were they talking about? They were saying people are now running after dogs and catching them and slaughtering them for food. Did you hear me? The Hebrews never touched the dogs. But now, <laughs> when you are hungry, anything will do for supper. So the story is going on where that donkey's heads are being sold so that people can survive. We are eating roots of trees. That was the common talk of the land of Canaan. What is our common talk in Uganda? We complain about everything from A to Z. Did you hear me? Ask somebody, do you talk the same language as the other ordinary <laughs> residents of our country? <laughs> if they answer, if they answer they have been talking the same language, tell them God intended that you be the solution to your nation's problems. Praise God. On Tuesday, I had a terrible story. I don't even feel I should repeat it here. Uh, but please, keep it to yourselves. <laughs> Some family had a lady who was very sick. I've forgotten what the sickness was. Very sick. She seemed to recover a little bit, but then became worse. And one evening, they decided to rush her to Mulago, our national 
referral hospital. They got caught in traffic jam around maybe 7, 8, 9 o'clock, that kind of time. They got stuck in traffic jam. And they're all the time fearing this person would die in the car. Finally, they made it through the traffic jam and they got to the hospital. And they took the patient somewhere and they were told by staff there, please leave her there. We shall attend to her. But because of the seriousness of the situation, the relatives were saying, please, uh, what, what are you doing? Please, time is running out. The patient is bad off. I don't want to repeat the words which were told me, what the staff there, the way they responded. It was terrible. And then they were told that the doctors will come sometime. Is it the following day in the morning or something like that? So they sat there into the night without attention. And at something like 2 or 3 o'clock, in the wee hours of the morning, the patient died. Now we've heard such stories before. And that one was not the first one I've heard of that nature. But listen to what shocked me. After the patient died, these people started inquiring, what do we do? Maybe the body needs to be removed, to be taken to the mortuary or something like this. What do we do? And after making inquiries left and right, they were advised by other people attending to their own patients that you're wasting time. You get into terrible trouble if the body is removed and taken there because it will cost you a lot more. Didn't you come with a car? Why don't you carry your body and take it to the car? And they said, yeah, but there is security. How can we carry a body? They will be asked, what are you doing? And so on. They said, no. Just take your body. It will be okay. Because they seem to have known from previous experience how the systems have completely broken down. And the story goes, they carried the body to the car. Nobody disturbed them on the way. And that is what frightened me. And so they went home carried on the funeral, whatever happened, I don't know the rest of the details. That night, Tuesday night, I hardly slept. I was so disturbed by the story. I said, you mean things have broken down to this kind of level? In the middle of the night, around 2 or 3 o'clock, I don't remember the exact hour, I felt in my heart, we must do something radical about the breakdown in our nations. And this is the group I believe God is talking to. Joseph, when he received prophetic insight into the next 14 years of Egypt, seven years of plenty and seven years of scarcity, he made a bold, say with me bold, B-O-L-D, bold. He made a bold suggestion. He gave bold advice to Pharaoh. He said, let Pharaoh do this. 
Now, can you imagine somebody who has been a slave and a prisoner? Moreover, he was only 30 years of age. Beginning to give advice to Pharaoh. Advice which was bold enough to be the answer to a nation's issues for the next 14 years. Are you getting me? We are in the days where we shouldn't be just organizing inspire conferences to sit here and enjoy good speakers. We need to begin to come up with bold plans for our nation. Bold plans of what we are to do. That night, I sat down. Actually, I wrote it in my pad here. I didn't intend to read it to you. Let me read it verbatim as it was. Hospital and medical services. Buy land and start construction of hospital. An alternative to Mulago and the alternative to going to India for treatment. Other things I wrote down, I don't want to read them. I believe God intends the body of Christ to provide answers to our nations. Government, the primary job of government, according to the Bible, is to provide security and the rule of law. Government is not supposed to carry out your education for you. It's the job of parents and church. Did you hear me? But we have left it to government. And when things go wrong, we complain from A to Z. I believe even social services like provision of health is not necessarily supposed to be left to government. The first hospital in Uganda was built by Church of Uganda, was built by the the missionaries. That is Mengo Hospital. From that time, we have backslidden. Okay, we have built many nice hospitals. The Catholics have Rubaga and, uh, and uh, Nsambia and uh, some of the best hospitals in the country, Lacho Hospital and so on. The Muslims have put up their nice hospitals like, uh, you know, uh, Kibuli and so on. By the way, what have the Pentecostals done? the most spiritual group in the country. Did you hear me? This is why we are organizing Inspire Conference. I don't want anybody to leave this conference this week saying we had powerful talks from powerful... You say man, man of God? How do you say men, men instead of man of God? Men of God? Men of God? <laughs> Listen, that will be a disservice to these speakers. I want people to leave this place totally challenged, to go out with bold plans to provide solutions to our nation's problems. The reason we're complaining about everybody, everybody, 
we are talking in the language of Joseph's brothers. We complain about potholes. We complain about medicine in Mulago. We complain about every. What do you complain about? I don't think there is anybody here who has not complained about some issue in the nation. Was Joseph a complainer? No. He was giving solutions. Praise the name. You clap for Joseph. I think I've exhausted my time. Although we've hardly begun to talk about Joseph's brothers. Have you read the conclusion of that interview? The next few verses in chapter 47. Verse 5. Then Pharaoh spoke to Joseph saying, Your father and your brothers have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Have your father and your brothers dwell in the best of the land. Let them dwell in the land of Goshen. Now read that next sentence. And if you know any competent men among them, <laughs> first look at me. <laughs> you see, it seems to me Pharaoh was very used to checking on competence. The first time he met Joseph, he asked his own ministers, is any among you competent enough to carry out this program? And those guys of 40 years, 50 years of age were all shaking their heads. This young guy of only 30 was the only one who was competent enough. Now that Joseph's brothers have come, the way this question is phrased in the Bible, it means Pharaoh had already made conclusions. I don't see any competence here. <laughs> so he had picked up his phone. I don't know if he had phones like mine those days. He had called in the servants and told the chief of protocol, please, those appointments which I had canceled, Please reinstate them from 10 o'clock. <laughs> you know, the appointment had push, been pushed to 9. Now, after 15 minutes of interview, he feels this is not, these are not the kind of guys to take presidential time. Reinstate all my appointments from 10 o'clock onwards. And then he turns to Joseph. He says, let me add in between the lines. For me, I've, you know, checked them out with only one question. <laughs> and it's very clear there are no competent people among them. But if you know any competent among them, you make them chief herdsmen over my cattle. But otherwise, since you have been such a blessing to the whole nation of Egypt, I'm giving the best of the land to you your brothers and your parents, they can dwell there. So he concludes the occasion. He stands up and just walks out. Goes to his appointments for that day. Let me just list before you the issues, some of the issues Joseph's brothers had as I conclude. And I will not explain any of them.
Joseph's brothers, number one, they were not living righteously. You remember in chapter 37, you can study it yourself again, but I'm sure most of you have read this again and again. Chapter 37 of Genesis, it says that Joseph brought a bad report of his brothers to his dad, meaning they used to slaughter animals and make muchomo. And then they tell their dad, some wild animal took the kid when he's trying to count the number of sheep or the number of goats. So they're not living righteously. Number two, they gave in to temptations of the desires of the flesh. They gave in to temptations of the desires of the flesh. We're told about Reuben sleeping with his father's wife. If you want to check it out, I can give you the reference. Genesis chapter 35, verse 22. Genesis 35, verse 22. You can look it up in your Bible. And Genesis 49 The first four verses. Another weakness of the flesh. Number two was they gave into the weaknesses of the flesh. Reuben, sorry, Reuben was not the only person with weak character. The second born Simeon and the third born Levi. The Bible talks of them as giving into anger. Giving into anger. There are many examples in the Bible of their anger. But you can write down for your personal study. Genesis chapter 34. Verse 25. And the same chapter, verse 30 and 31. And then Genesis 49, verse 5 to 7. Anger is a temptation of the flesh. They used to give in to temptations of the flesh. Number three, I'm talking about some of the weaknesses of Joseph's brothers. They were not visionary or dreamers. Not visionary or dreamers. Now, this one, I want to qualify it a little bit. Just look at me without writing down. 
The Bible tells us about Joseph's dreams. Have you read them? Yes, answer loudly. Have you read them? Yes. What about Judah's dreams? What about Reuben's dreams? The Bible doesn't tell us anything about their dreams. Amen? Do you know any human being who doesn't dream? How many of you didn't have a dream last night? I had many dreams. Some of them are forgotten. How many of you didn't dream at all last night? I am not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure if you are telling us the truth. Every human being dreams. But it seems to me, the Holy Spirit didn't consider Reuben's dreams worth including in the Bible. Let me explain to you. When I spend an hour watching X-rated movies, you don't have to be a prophet to prophesy what I would dream. <laughs> have you understood me? Okay. Now, Reuben had such sexual urge that he left all the girls in the village and went for his father's concubine. Which means, I can guess what kind of magazines he used to read. <laughs> Are you getting me? The magazines which fed his sexual urge so that he couldn't control himself, even with his father's concubine. Are you getting it? So do you, need, do you have to be a prophet to imagine what dreams he used to have? Eh? Okay, now tell me, what did he used to dream? Since you are saying you don't have to be a prophet. He used to dream X-rated dreams. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit didn't think them worth including in the Bible. <laughs> so it is not quite true that they never dreamt. But their dreams were that kind. Are you getting me? Judah. His wife died, and he started looking for harlots. Have you read the story in chapter 38? And his daughter-in-law stood in a certain corner and dressed up as a harlot. Which means the daughter-in-law knew Musei's behavior. Have you got me? Okay, so this must, cannot have been the first time. Daughter-in-law had observed and knew Musei's behavior. So even Judah used to have X-rated dreams. <laughs> what about Levi and Simeon? The Bible says in their anger, they killed a man. I think they used to watch films of violence and bloodshed. Okay, let me ask you. I'm concluding. Paul, don't get worried about me. <laughs> I want to ask you a question. How many of you think you belong to Judah and Reuben's club when it comes to watching television? Oh, you are very righteous people here. <laughs> what about the club of Levi and Simeon? 
who'd watch those violent movies and shooting and killing and bloodshed and so on to feed their anger? Let me see your hands. Okay. I want to congratulate you that your class is very righteous. <laughs> you cannot rate them among Joseph's brothers. Number four, they used to follow a crowd to do wickedness. They gave in to peer pressure. Number five, they didn't give time to build their relationship with God. They didn't give time to build their relationship with God. Joseph gave time to build his relationship with God. No wonder he had wisdom, knowledge, and prophetic insight. But his brothers didn't give time to build their relationship with God. Number six. They were not sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I want us to pray together just briefly as I go to sit down. Let's stand up. Raise your right hand before the Lord and we'll pray. Lord our God, I've spoken to my brothers and sisters by the same word it's a double-edged sword. It is piercing my own heart also. That you have appointed us to be the answers to Uganda's problems. And instead, we have given in to the temptations Joseph's brothers gave in to. And as a result, they suffered the same hunger and famine that everybody else suffered in the land of Canaan. And instead of repenting that they never carried out their role in the land, they blamed everything to the hunger and famine in the land of Canaan. And they talked the language of the Canaanites. We ask for your forgiveness where we have talked the language of the ordinary Africans. When we go to Europe, our languages, our nations are very poor. We need money. We need capital. We need dollars. We need euro. Lord, we ask you that beginning this evening, the stirring that we have received tonight will not let us to rest and sleep. But we begin to seek you to receive bold plans and bold alternative solutions from heaven for the issues and problems of our nation. Lord, I pray that out of this year's Inspire Conference, there will be a harvest, 
a harvest of Josephs who go out with bold plans to bring solution to the problems which our nations have. Because the solutions come from heaven. We remember David when his nation went through a crisis for 40 days. When the Philistines were challenging them, bring somebody who will fight against Goliath. And the whole national army didn't have an answer. And David came boldly. His brothers were like the brothers of Joseph. They, were also, they also didn't have answers. But David came boldly. And he provide, provided solution to solve a national problem. He brought down Goliath. Lord, I pray that these your children will be the Davids in our nation. They will be the Josephs in our nation. They will be the ones who come and wait before you until they receive the prophetic vision to provide answers to our nation's problems. And Lord, I pray that you give them the faith so that they will move boldly to provide bold solutions to our nation's issues. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.